The original Gojira, produced by Toho, released in Japan in 1954. Back then, our gigantic radioactive friend was little more than a plot device. He was disaster given physical form and a name. But more accurately, he was a stand-in for the nuclear bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki at the end of the Second World War. The original film is a tale of hubris. This Godzilla was created by the radiation given off by those same nuclear bombs. He brought with him the same annihilation, the same nuclear fires, and the same deaths. The latter being depicted with visceral realism. The film even introduces a new superweapon to rid Japan of this monster. One Dr. Serizawa invents and builds the Oxygen Destroyer a weapon with the same destructive capabilities as the nuclear bomb. The only difference is being how it worked and what exactly it did. It's in the name, after all. But Serizawa, much like Einstein and the many others who worked on the famed Manhattan Project, regretted designing his weapon. He understood the destruction that could come of it should it fall into the wrong hands. So he burnt his notes and died when he set off the bomb in an attempt to kill Godzilla. The film was then licensed out to American distributors, who added an entirely new character to the film by way of rotoscoping. This character then became the film's narrator, and it was through him that the nuclear allegory and much of the film's viscerality were removed, making the film more digestible towards American audiences, who at this point were fairly well assured in the fact that dropping the bombs was the best thing they could have done. This version of the film was titled Godzilla, King of the Monsters. In the years since, Godzilla has been many things to Japan, spawning an entire genre, and himself featuring in 34 sequels and spin-offs, not counting the most recent films. He has been a monster, an ally, a protector, even a friend. Many of these movies feature some allegory, such as the monster Biolante being something of a symbol for what goes wrong when man meddles with nature, while Hedora personified pollution, with specific relation to the Yokaichi asthma cases of the 60s, including chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, chronic bronchitis, bronchial asthma, and pulmonary emphysema caused by air population in the city of Yokaichi. But equally many of these films were cheesy popcorn flicks. They knew their concepts were weird and out there, so they leaned in on them, though sometimes just a little bit too far. At one point, believe it or not, the franchise was even aimed at children. Quite the number of Godzilla spin-offs were versus films, movies where the main draw was a fight between two or more monsters. Among the most popular of these is King Kong vs. Godzilla, released in 1962. Toho had to license the character of King Kong, as he was initially an American creation and his rights were shared amongst numerous rights holders. Godzilla himself has even looped right back around to being a symbol for disaster, as in 2017's Toho produced Shin Gojira, where he is a stand-in for the events of March 2011. The Tohoku earthquake, ensuing tsunami, and the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster in particular. Here again, he is little more than a plot device. The film was less of a remembrance of the disaster and more a commentary of the government's response to it. 
which was slow, constantly shifting gears, and took forever to actually achieve anything. The film predominantly follows politicians as they move back and forth from one meeting room to the next, bouncing around questions, downplaying the threat, prior to which they refute its existence entirely, which I think is hilarious, and not getting much of anything done for quite some time. This is interspersed with scenes of destruction, some of the shots evoking the tsunami, while others directly call back to the nuclear fires in the wake of the bombings of 1945. This film has won many accolades and at one point topped the Japanese box office. I highly recommend watching it. But while Japan reveled in its monster madness, Hollywood looked on with greed in its eyes. As far as they could see, Godzilla did nothing but bring in money, and apparently they weren't paying attention because there are numerous financial flops in Godzilla's filmography, but anyway. So TriStar Pictures got the license, gave director Roland Emmerich $150 million, and told him to make an American Godzilla movie. Financially, it was a success, grossing around $376 million in total box office revenue, though this was far lower than initially projected. The film was supposed to be on track for a sequel. A trilogy had been planned, actually. But it was all cancelled because of two things. The film's reception with the public and its reception with Toho. Let's just say neither party was happy. Critics derided the film's acting, writing, and overall direction. Fans hated Godzilla's new design, and as for Toho, well... The men who used to play Godzilla, as in the men in the monster suits, hated the movie. They hated the monster's design even more. One of them, Kenpachiro Satsuma, even walked out of the screening of the film and would later be quoted as saying, That's not Godzilla. It doesn't have his spirit. Later critics would point out that Toho even rebranded Emmerich's Godzilla as Zilla, referring specifically to the suffix given to counterfeit Godzilla merchandise. That is the sickest burn in the history of burns. Apply ice where needed. The only good things to come out of Emmerich's Godzilla are the soundtrack and the animated series that followed up the film, which, now as an adult, honestly still holds up. I watch it every so often. It's fantastic. Don't judge. Years later, Legendary Pictures, under Warner Brothers, would take another crack at an American Godzilla movie. Theirs was to be part of a franchise, not just a trilogy, dubbed The Monsterverse. Their attempt was significantly more successful, otherwise we wouldn't be here right now. In 2014, they released Godzilla. The big reptile's design far more closely matched the original than Emmerich's overgrown iguana. It reviewed well, and fans adored it. The only problem anyone really had was that Godzilla himself occupied less than 10 minutes of screen time out of the film's total two hours and three minutes. Though in hindsight, I think it was a really good move. The film had a budget of $160 million and grossed $524 million internationally, so of course, the MonsterVerse had to continue. The second MonsterVerse film was released in 2017. Kong Skull Island had a less self-serious tone than its 2014 predecessor, cracking the occasional joke here and there, but it excelled regardless, costing $185 million to make, and with an international gross of $566 million, again performing well with both fans and critics alike. The third film in the MonsterVerse franchise was to be titled Godzilla, King of the Monsters. 
in reference to the title of the Americanized version of the original film. Only unlike that film, this time the plural monsters actually referred to more than one monster. King of the Monsters, or KOTM as it's often called by fans, amped things up considerably. While the human characters still occupy the bulk of the runtime, the film made more of a concerted effort than its predecessors to make them likable and less cookie-cutter, adding small nuances to their dynamics. But KOTM knew what audiences really wanted, so it delivered. For King of the Monsters, Legendary Pictures went the extra mile and licensed three iconic monsters from Toho, beasts who hadn't shared the screen with Godzilla for over a decade. Mothra, the giant peacekeeping moth, Rodan, the monstrous pterodactyl, and King Ghidorah, the three-headed dragon, alongside a menagerie of new monsters, many of whom have since found their own fans online. The film even features the Oxygen Destroyer. If you've not yet seen King of the Monsters, I highly recommend it. It is pure monster-clashing fun. Legendary has always known exactly what audiences wanted out of a Godzilla movie, but they've always teased us with it, gradually given us more and more of it, but still kept it just out of arm's reach. It also helps that the soundtrack, composed by Bear McCreary, is spectacular. It even contains direct callbacks to and motifs from the original Gojira, the iconic soundtrack for which was composed by Akira Ifukube. With a budget of 200 million, Godzilla King of the Monsters released in 2019 and grossed 336 million internationally. A smaller gross than anyone could have predicted, and certainly well below any estimated break-even point. I think the lowest I saw was 340 million. Most of them were well over 400 million. But this was a franchise with a winning formula, and Legendary was determined to move forward. In September 2015, Legendary Pictures moved production on Kong Skull Island from Universal Studios over to Warner Brothers, which instantly sparked theories that they'd one day pit Godzilla and Kong against one another. That October, Legendary confirmed those suspicions though they originally had the film's release slated for May 2020. That shows you how far ahead they plan these things. With the benefit of hindsight, we can all say this was coming from a place of misplaced optimism. The world ground to a halt in 2020, and going to the cinemas was not a particularly good idea. Now it's just gotten expensive, what with Sturkinagor being in business rescue and all that. At some point last year... Warner Brothers had the bright idea of releasing all of their 2020 slated movies as digital exclusives, specifically on HBO Max. This was not a particularly popular move amongst the studios and actors working with them at the time. For those unaware, many actors and studio staff work on reduced hourly pay in exchange for larger paydays depending on a film's financial performance. And the studios were not informed of this decision much less let in on the discussion leading up to it. At least, they weren't informed of it until the moment WB went public with the news. A few lawsuits and settlements later, and many WB films are still releasing digitally, but they're also releasing in cinemas on a delayed schedule. Many of them are releasing upwards of a year after their original release dates. So those paydays, though considerably smaller than anticipated, will still be rolling in, which is better than nothing. Anywho, Godzilla vs. Kong released just the other day, and it is amazing. 
Before I go on, a brief reminder that this is a movie about a giant gorilla fighting a nuclear dinosaur, so it follows that you need to suspend your disbelief before you start watching. We clear? Okay, moving on. The complaint I, and many other critics seem to have, of Godzilla vs. Kong is the film's characters. Godzilla took place in 2014 and had three lead roles, two of whom were killed off in KOTM. Kong Skull Island took place in the 70s, so it makes sense that most of its characters are retired and are otherwise no longer around, though one of them does cameo in King of the Monsters. But King of the Monsters takes place in 2019, and introduced us to a whole new cast of characters, even going so far as to make some of them likeable. So the fact that only two of them show up in this movie is something of a disgrace. To further rub salt in the wound, of these two returning characters, the one barely gets two minutes of screen time, and the other features as little more than a caricature of their former self. If you're looking for character-driven plot with good writing, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Again, Legendary Pictures knows what the audience wants, and the audience wants giant monsters fighting, but that doesn't excuse poor character writing. It almost feels as if entire character-based scenes were removed from the final cut. Of the new characters, one of them is a blank slate, and the others each seemingly have one personality trait, and that's it. Either scenes were removed, or the production crew simply ignored the characters altogether, choosing to instead focus on the giant monsters fighting. I feel like I haven't driven this point home enough. This movie is about a giant gorilla and a nuclear dinosaur fighting for dominance over one another. The draw card here is the bit where the giant monsters fight. Story is taking a back seat. That back seat is at the far end of a train, while by contrast, the monster fights are in the driver's seat. Over the years, Godzilla has gone from destroyer to ally to protector to friend and back to destroyer again. In Legendary's Monsterverse, he goes from elusive apex predator to Earth's reluctant, grumpy protector to a grizzled king rising to protect his throne once more. Right, I do hope you enjoyed. Uh, TLDR, watch Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, yeah, again, hope you guys enjoyed that. Jonathan Harding, signing off. Cheers.